0: Every week we do a QA and a with interesting and accomplished members of the adaptive community to find how they persevere, how they innovated, how they built communities, and how they found solutions. Welcome to the Name Tags Chat Podcast. Welcome to Chris Waddell's Name Tags Chat Podcast where we celebrate stories of resilience. It's not what happens to you, it's what you do with what happens to you. We're super excited today. We have uh, Famita I am Beku. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. You are. Joining us, she is a bronze medalist from 2019 at the World Championships in Dubai, finished in sixth place in Rio in 2016, which was like literally months after she got a running leg. So she was just getting started at the trials in Minneapolis in June she broke the American record which had held, which had stood for 15 years 12.84 in the 100 meters. Famita, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me. That was great.
0: <laughs> All right. Well that is perfect. well there's there's a big challenge here right cuz you are the one who went and did the voiceover for the paralympic trials uh for for the for for the event for the for the trials for the for the video right
1: yeah yes I did
0: (laughs) (laughs) have you done voiceover work how did that come about
1: um well it just came with the commercial so they showed me um like the the whole breakdown of it and they asked me if I would do it and I said yes and it was really cool we did it in a studio so I felt like I was like you know, about to record a song or something, but <laughs> it was, it was a good time.
0: Well, I was working with all the television people and they're like, wow, she was really good. Oh, <laughs>
1: well,
0: you got that going for you. Are you a singer too? I mean, you felt like you were recording a song are you, are you a singer too or not?
1: I'm
0: not, I'm not. Just okay. sounded nice. <laughs> just sounded nice. It just seemed cool that you were doing that. So, Let's go back to to Rio. Rio was kind of fun, right? I mean, so so you got a a running leg, and you got a running leg from Challenge Athletes Foundation, right?
1: Yep, yep. And Oser.
0: Oh, and Oser, oh, how, mm-hmm. how did how did that end up working? Because you'd been a basketball player beforehand, and then suddenly you get a running leg. How did that happen, and what did that do for you? Um,
1: my prosthetist actually put me in to like they the running clinic was coming to Boston and they were looking for an amputee to donate to. So my prosthetist actually did all of that backhand work. I didn't even know that they were giving me that blade until that day. And people always make fun of me because we ha- I had to get fitted for it. So we had to make a casting for, we had to make a casting for the leg and, um, I just didn't realize they were gonna let me keep it. So everybody's like, you guys you got fitted for the leg. You had all these appointments and you didn't think that the leg was gonna be yours. And I'm like, I really didn't. So that day when they surprised me, it was just, um, it was crazy. Cause like you said, I played basketball my freshman year of high school. But I only played for a few months because my leg was getting a lot of blisters from the running in the leg that wasn't made for running. So I ended up, I played for those few months and then I stopped. So when I was 23, I started working out and like going to the gym and just trying to get more active. And then um, later on that year, that's when I got the blade. So everything kind of just fell into place.
0: (sighs) Well, I mean, you had so many different things going because you also, you went to school as a personal trainer. So, yeah, right. so
1: that was after.
0: So that was after. Okay. Yeah. So that yeah, was yeah. after. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you got the leg and what did this leg do for you? Cause the thing is, it sounds like there was a major transformation when you got a running leg.
1: There was, um, <laughs> walking and running are like a world of a difference, <laughs> especially when it comes to prosthetics. So, um, I always tell people, you know, people always ask me like, what What keeps you going what makes you want to run and i always say i don't remember what it feels like to have two feet but if i did like if i could think of that memory in my head it would be what running is to me i feel like i have two feet when i'm running um when i walk I think about every step that I take, you know? So like, I'm like, okay, left, right. I always, I'm always really like aware of where my prosthesis is when I'm walking. But when I run, it's like, my body just has to move, you know? So I just, I fell in love with that feeling once I got that blade and I just kept chasing it.
0: The sense of freedom. Can you describe what your blade is? Like a running blade? Because a lot of people will not have seen this.
1: Yeah, I wish I had one. I always keep my legs in my car, um, but <laughs> so it's its going to freak somebody a, out if
0: they go by your car a <laughs> of legs in it
1: um so it's a c-shaped it's a c-shaped prosthesis that has a spring in it and it's made with carbon fiber and um i get mines through oser so yeah it kind of just mimics my sound side so everybody always asks again if the blade is an advantage right if that spring makes me run faster but i'm like if my right leg was going a million miles a minute, if my left leg wasn't doing it, then I I just wouldn't be able to. So it it can't really give me an advantage if my other side isn't just as strong and fast. So um, that's basically what the blade does. So it mimics my sound side and it just makes me even.
0: (laughs) That's a great answer. And that's something that I haven't heard. And, And when you say it, it makes sense. Like biomechanically, if one side's going way faster than the other side, it's not going to make you any more successful. Basically you're going to end up in a heap on the ground before long. Exactly. So you are, you're a below the knee amputee though, right? So that there's a distinction there in that you still have your knee. Mm -hmm. And so, so this leg is basically like the lower half of your leg. Right, right, right. When did you get the confidence to, to go and walk around in shorts walk around in skirts how did this work because it didn't come immediately right so you had an accident when you were 11 years old
1: yeah yeah so um so right before i got my prosthesis um we had to do this outing when and i was in um rehab we had to do this outing where like it took us back into the community but i didn't have prosthesis at the time so I had to go in my wheelchair and I had my stump propped up and I'll never forget we were going into the theater and a little boy and his mom were walking out and he looked at me and he just started crying like he was holding his mom and he was crying and I was only 11 at the time so I was looking at him and I'm like what's wrong like it made me feel some type of way about myself and I'm like I don't want to scare people when I go out like I don't want people to look at me and be scared so like that in the back of my mind, just growing up, I always thought like, let me hide this so people won't be scared of me. Or like, you know, that that idea, like it really stuck with me. So um, it wasn't until I was 18, I remember it was my freshman year of college and I had these friends and I'm like, you know, I'm just so tired of like, just feeling like I have to hide myself. And like, I wanna be able to go outside and not be so worried about people staring or kids pointing or like all of those things that happen. So, um, my best friend, she's from Brooklyn. So I brought some shorts. I took a bus up to Brooklyn and I'm like, okay, today's the day. We're going to go outside. I'm going to wear shorts. And I'm not going to like think or care about what anybody else is doing around me. So that day, it was like, it was a huge day for me and for us, because I I made like huge strides after that when it came to like just being confident and not caring what people think.
0: So this was your walking leg that you wore shorts with. Did you have like... Cosmetic stuff on your leg, because sometimes people will have it look like, kind of look similar to mm-hmm. a, to your regular leg. Do yeah, you have that because then you go from there to to looking like the Terminator leg.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. So that was a part of the whole transition. Because, like I said, I had it covered for a while, and then I'm like, all right, let's take it a step and let's start wearing shorts. But you know, we can't do everything at once. So I had to, I had it out but I did have it look like my, my sound side. And um, that was that for a while. And then after a little bit, I'm like, you know what? I don't care about trying to make people think that this is real. I want people to look at me and instantly know, yeah, that's something else. <laughs> so when I had the cover on, people would, people would I found people would stare longer because It like, it looks real, but then you're like, "Mm, is that really real? Like they'd have so many questions. So they'd stare for so much longer. So I'm like, let me just leave it out now. So when you look, you know.
0: (laughs) So then you went totally Terminator with your, with your leg. And so you've got the shorts and you've got the carbon fiber. You've got the shock. You've got the, you know, all it looks cool. I mean, it's it's like technology, right? And Mm -hmm. so you had that little kid who started crying back when you were 11 what have been the reactions that you've had now? I mean, I'm sure you get some reactions where people are, have different reactions.
1: Mm -hmm. I think people can sense confidence. And I feel like ever since, once I started running with uh, Paralympics and all that stuff, I think I I gained a lot more confidence. So like people don't, I stand tall. Like I, I just feel more confident. So with the way that I am now, people don't, they don't stare. And if they do stare, they're like going like this, (laughs) like they're proud of me or something, but (laughs) the reactions are definitely way better, but I always prepare myself. Like everybody doesn't see amputees all the time, you know, like it is new and it is shocking for a lot of people. So like, I've grown to just be more understanding to that. And like, just know, like some people aren't going to know what this is. And sometimes you, maybe you might have to explain it to somebody. Like I'd way prefer somebody to come up to me and ask me a question than to stare, stare at me from afar. Um. So like, I've just gotten a lot more better about like, you know, just trying to be more receptive and understanding to people and how they feel and just giving people information if they want it.
0: What when people ask a question, where does the where does that usually start? Is is it about the leg? Is it about the accident? How does how does that start usually?
1: Um, a lot of times, people ask me if I was in the military, and that is uh, that's a it's a it's like a given. But hopefully, that changes and people just understand all amputees aren't, you know, ex-military and all ex-military are amputees, you know, (laughs) it's doesn't, it doesn't have to be one in the same. Um, but it's either that, or they just, they just ask me what happened usually.
0: (sighs) Right. Exactly. And, And are you okay with that now? Does that come with the confidence too?
1: Oh yeah. I'm okay with it because I'm like, I try to think to myself and I'm like, if I seen somebody that looked like me, would I want to ask them a question? I probably would. So (laughs) it's like, you know, I, I like, I like to be informed than to just not know. So I I think it's, it's, it's a good, it's a good approach.
0: (laughs) Okay. And we've been talking around it. So you're actually, you're going to have to tell the people what, what happened to you. I'm sorry. We got this deep into the hole here.
1: (laughs) have to tell the story. (laughs) Exactly. <laughs> um, so I was in a car accident, me and my sisters and my cousins. Um, my cousin was actually driving and we were on the highway. she lost control of the car on the highway. There were not any other cars around us. We didn't get into an accident with anybody else. She just lost control. and um, when she lost control, the car spun around. and so it wasn't a bad accident. Everybody inside of the car was fine. But you know those really old-fashioned station wagons where you mm-hmm. can like sit in the trunk like the backpack, Uh Yeah. So me and my sister, Wendy, we were sitting back there. And so everybody else inside of the car was fine. They ended up just hitting the guardrail. But when the car spun around the door opened and me and my sister flew out. So we actually ended up on like different sides of the highway. And like my sisters and my cousin, they literally had to go like searching for us on the highway. So it was, it was an intense night. I just remember waking up, like I blacked out when the cars like crashed, but I remember waking up and it was just a twilight zone. But um, we ended up being in the hospital for a few months after that. And then I ended up going home, so.
0: Okay. And so you were back there because you were the youngest, it sounds like, right? Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. Kids in the back. Are you, Cause you're in a big family, right? Where, where do you fit in the family?
1: So I have four older sisters, a little brother and two little sisters.
0: Oh, you do. Okay. okay. <laughs> so yes. Yeah, four older <laughs> sisters, a little brother, and two little sisters. Yep. Wow. Okay. So, so is that eight or is that nine? Eight. It's eight. So eight. So eight of them, and and one of you, really. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. Now that we have the math part of the program done. <laughs> so, with the because we've got to get back to the confidence because you you decided when you're 18 that you're just going to wear shorts and you said you were going to you went to meet your friend who is this friend where where did the friend come from like how long had you (laughs) known this friend and how did that work because I mean this has got to be one of your most trusted people in your life right
1: oh actually (laughs) we were friends for maybe like nine months. Um, I met her in college. So it was the first day of college. Um, we had just moved all my stuff into my dorm room and my family, like they helped me move in and then they had left. And so at the time I was wearing leggings, it was a hot day, but I was wearing leggings. And, um, I remember we were like, I was walking outside to go meet some people outside. And this guy came up to me and he was like, what's wrong with your leg? And I'm like, oh my God, gosh, it like just freaked me out because I thought I was hiding it so well. And I'm like, I didn't expect somebody on the first day to catch this, you know? So I ran into the bathroom and I was crying and I was just crying in the bathroom. Like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I was like devastated. And this girl, Caitlin is her name. She ends up walking into the bathroom and, um, She's like, what's wrong? Are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, this boy just asked me what's wrong with my leg. And then she looks down. She's like, there's nothing wrong with your legs. Your legs are fine. Don't listen to him. Like you look fine or whatever. But she still at that moment hadn't noticed my leg either. So then it wasn't until like we ended up going out and then um, we were having a conversation and I'm like, I was like just recapping the story. And I'm like, yeah, because of my prosthesis. And she's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, my leg, it's fake. And she's like, what are you talking about? And then from there, we just became really, really close, and then she was the person I decided to take my first steps with.
0: <laughs> that is awesome. So she did. this. So this is like when you're 18, basically. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But then the confidence. It sounds like the confidence started to grow when you were when you started to compete too. But that was that was another couple of years, right? Or, or yeah. before you got this this running prosthesis. When did you get the running prosthesis?
1: When I was 23.
0: 23. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So five years.
1: Yeah, it's a process. <laughs> I always I have there's this one little girl that I know. She must be um 10 now and she was having some issues and I had she was having some some body issues and I had to explain to her and I'm like listen, you are beautiful the way that you are do not waste these next few years over something that absolutely does not matter. And like, I always tell myself, I wasted so much time. Just being so worried about what people are going to think and all of those types of things. And like from 18 to 23 was where like, I got my confidence, but like, I needed to really own it. Like I told myself that I was gonna be okay, but I needed to actually get to a point where I actually was okay, you know? And so that's where like the time kind of came in and then going into Paralympics, like I always tell people, I love competing and I love doing that, but the atmosphere of being around so many people that are like you, so many people that aren't gonna judge you or feel any type of way, if I decide to just take my leg off and start drying it, or if I just decide to throw it around, you know, Like nothing is new to anybody there. And we're all just like, so just, but it's just so comfortable. So like that really opened me up a lot too.
0: So you finally got peers. Now you created a nonprofit organization too, right? Mm -hmm. So limit, so, so it sounds like limitless creations, but it's limb, you know, so L I M B hyphen it, uh, hyphen less. Uh, and then creations. So, yes. so basically not having a limb creations, which is pretty creative, definitely. <laughs> but so, cause it sounds like for you, you didn't have any peers really, or any role models, mentors. Yeah,
1: definitely not. So that's kind of why I started the organization. Um, so the mission is creating awareness and providing support to the amputee community, as well as people with physical disabilities. And For me, when I had my accident, the doctors um, asked my parents if I wanted to do therapy or any of those types of things and at the time, we were like super, super religious and you know we were just more focused on like rehabilitating me physically and all of those other things so I think for me personally, had I had somebody like myself or just a community to be a part of going through those, like the confidence would have came a little bit sooner. And, you know, all of those self image ideas that I had in my, about myself. Like, I think a lot of those things, like the learning curve for those things would have been a lot shorter had I had um, an organization like mine, which I'm trying to grow. But, you know, I think that was like really, really important to me, just being able to connect with other amputees.
0: What does your organization do? Like what kind of events or how are you reaching the kids?
1: So currently, not currently, let me not say currently. So I do events like um, creating awareness. So there's this one event that I did and I absolutely loved, but it's about like daily life things. So people always ask me how I take a shower or like how I like, if I can, like how I can stand up, you know, for so long or those types of questions. So I started a, uh, this event is called excuse me the amputee challenge and it's who can stand on one leg the longest and i actually did it one year and this the winner she stood on one leg it was 37 minutes and like 55 seconds so it was really really impressive but during the event you know i um we do like little challenges for the people in the audience to kind of just learn about amputees and just like the disabled community so um creating awareness that's something like that um and then bringing the community together there's another event that i mean another thing that i started and it was called Amped nails so once a month i would take an amputee out to get their nails done oh. and that started because i went to go get a pedicure one day and I went to like three or four different nail salons and I'm like, I want to get a pedicure, but it was only on one foot. So I'm like, okay, so how much is it? And if a pedicure costs $22, I was expecting them to charge me 11 everywhere. I went to, if it was $22, they were trying to charge me 17. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense so i just i just kept going to nail salons until i found somebody that would, like would charge me half and i was just so happy with that i'm like i'm gonna bring business here because if you're gonna charge amputees half price this is where they should be coming in they shouldn't be getting getting gypped at all of these other nail salons or things like that you know and so just being able to get people out in the community because a lot of amputees won't go out and get one limb done just for the sake of like being shy you're just not wanting you know so like i would go out And get my nails done with them and you know it was it was an experience for both of us and yeah
0: (laughs) so hold on so so two questions one back to the to the standing on one leg are -hmm. these able-bodied people that you're having standing on one standing on one so they're getting the experience Yes. what you're doing I remember back when back when I was on the ski team we did a commercial with with, uh, with Chevy Trucks. They were a sponsor of, of the ski team at that time. We did a commercial with them. And we had a bunch of amputees, but then we also had the freestyle team and we had to leave earlier. So the mm-hmm. amputees in the hotel, these guys are getting up and they're, and they're hopping from bed to the bathroom, into the shower, or whatever. You know, and the other guys who didn't have a call time until much later, Mm-hmm. You're like I, I don't want I don't, I don't want to be behind, be be below these guys because they're <laughs> bouncing around and making it funny. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, that's funny.
0: <laughs> so it was good. So they were they had to wake up at the same time. <laughs> but then, so on your prosthetic leg, though, you're not you you won't paint the nails of your because because you do have like you know sort of like a fabricated foot generally on your mm-hmm. on your prosthetic leg right yeah so you're not matching it up or are you or how does that work
1: well I paint them but that paint lasts on there forever so like maybe I'll have to paint it like every like three or four months or something but definitely not as often as I get my left side done
0: <laughs> okay okay but but anytime you're going to change the color then you have to paint your prosthetic yeah, yeah. like as well okay and so which this is the important stuff But then what happened? I want to get back to the competition part of it. What happened when you started competing? Because I'd imagine that your leg went from being sort of functional in a transportation kind of way to functional in a performance way. And how did that affect the way that you looked at yourself and looked at your prosthetic leg?
1: the blade or my, well, obviously the blade,
0: the blit well, the blade. Certainly. Yeah. The blade is more performance <laughs> oriented. Right.
1: Yeah. <gasps> yeah. Um, it just, before I got the blade, I knew that like, I would probably only ever have just like walking legs because insurance doesn't cover anything outside of that. And like, it just didn't seem like it was attainable for me. So, once I got the blade and I was able to do the things that I was able to do, I'm like, I guess this isn't that bad. Like I, <laughs> I, I just never realized that like I could live like such a fulfilling life and not feel like you know, like insurance isn't gonna cover it, so I can't afford to live like that or those types of things. Like I have a water leg down, you know? And like those are things that it's like people don't realize. It's like we need a different leg for everything. I need a leg to walk around. I need a leg for the gym. I need a leg to run. I need a leg to wear heels. I need a leg to go in the water. It's like <laughs> you need a leg for everything. So I just I I'm like You need a leg
0: for high heels, right?
1: Yep. <laughs> a specific way.
0: Yeah. So your yeah. so legs, in a lot of ways, are like shoes yeah. for other people. Yeah, they just happen to be a whole lot more expensive.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then we still need to buy the shoes So it's like. <laughs> so
0: then you started branching out. What did what did that do for your confidence? I mean, because it, it, it you go from hiding it to celebrating in some ways, right?
1: Mm hmm. Um. It. it it boosted it a lot definitely a lot um especially once I started running and just going to the gym and just being more out there like people would give me compliments all the time and at one at one point it felt like people were only complimenting me because I was an amputee like oh look at her good for you like out there trying but I got to the point where like I work out so good like I'm, I'm a personal trainer now, you know? So it's like I know people have to give me that respect whether I was an amputee or not. Like you 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 do the damn thing. Like you know like they have to give me that respect. So um it definitely it definitely helped a lot because it it like overall like physically I was able to get myself up and then like that confidence it, it definitely boosted it.
0: And 12.84 for 100 meters, they have to give you a fair amount of respect though too, right? <laughs>
1: definitely
0: definitely because <laughs> there's there I mean maybe you know some people who can keep up with you but if you do they are a specific set of people a subset of people yeah. nobody off the street is going oh yeah Rita yeah I'll come I'll come run 100 with you that'll be great <laughs> you know,
1: yeah no, not really. the whole time <laughs> thank you thank you <laughs>
0: What about, what about when you're training? I mean, in, in some ways, as a trainer, you're looking to be unique, right? How does, how do your clients look at you?
1: Um, they think I'm crazy. <laughs> they're like, we can't do the stuff that you do, but I just like to push them. I like to push them. And, um, I always tell them like, when I have them do things, they're like, Oh, you're just having us do this because you can do it. And I'm like, I only was able to do it because I had to start from somewhere. I'm like, you guys know, I didn't wake up like this. You have to build yourself up. So like, I always just try to keep them in that path of like understanding we're building, we're building something here. We're not just going to be strong tomorrow, but we're, we're building.
0: So like, what kind of things will you have them do that, that really challenges them?
1: Um, more so like my hit sessions, like my high intensity interval trainings, um, they they think I'm crazy because I don't want them taking any breaks. <laughs> so they think I'm crazy with that. But
0: <laughs> so this kind of interval. So 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 what what specifically? What do, what are you making them do? And then how much time are you giving them in between to get ready?
1: Um, so they'll do a minute on with a thirty second like active rest. But it's usually like squats or a high plank or like you know, something like static, but still like keeping them going. So they just they always want to take breaks on the squats and the planks. <laughs> it just it's understandable, it's understandable, but like I said, we're building something here. So <laughs> you're
0: building something and you're keeping them going. Yeah. So when you first got this leg, it sounds like that was it. Like you decided this is it. Like what, what was going through your mind when you got your running leg, when you got your blade, what was going through your mind and did that just transform your life? I mean, how did that work?
1: So initially I met, um, a man named Jerome Singleton at that clinic that day that I got the blade donated to me. And he came up to me and he was like, you know, you look like you're in good shape. Like, what are you what are you about to do with that? And I'm like, I mean, I just want to learn how to like I want to learn how to use. I want to learn how to run. I don't know how to run. And he was like, oh, OK, well, you know, I, I have my coach down at the Reggie Lewis Center in Boston. Um, you can come down and, you know, like talk to him and see see what you want to do. And so like I had told you, I had just started going to the gym in February of that year. So now it's November of that year. So I'm like, the gym's been working. Somebody said I look like I've been working out. <laughs> so that was nice. Um, and hold on, and-
0: hold on. You have to back up too. Jerome, who is a Paralympic athlete,
1: yes. has a
0: nickname of Professor Speed because one, he's fast, and two, he has multiple crazy uh, advanced degrees. Right? I yeah. mean, yes, astrophysics yes. and, and and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, crazy yeah. stuff.
1: Yes, yes, yes. I didn't even know who he was at the time when he like, you know, when we spoke and then when I learned who he was, I'm like, oh, (laughs) it was very humbling because I was like, I can't even believe he said anything to me. But yeah, so um, we ended up going to the Reggie Lewis Center and I met our coach, Sermon Hart, and he was like, you know, I'll work with you for as many days you decide to come. And I'm like, all right, well, I really want to learn how to use it. So I'll, I'll come every day. So I started going five days a week. And at first will he will always say this, like he was ready to quit on me those first two weeks, but I don't think that's true, but <laughs> that's what he says. And I didn't know how to run. I told him that. And I'm like, I just really didn't know what I was doing. My arms were all over the place. It was just, it was a hot mess. But, um, <laughs> once, we started training and he was like, Oh, I'm going to sign you up for a competition. And I'm like, wait, 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 what's going on? I didn't realize, like, I don't know. I just, I don't know. My head just wasn't there. I wasn't even thinking about that. I really was just trying to learn. And so he signed me up for a competition and I fell coming out of the blocks. And I I don't know, I think I ended up coming in like third place or something. And this was against traditional athletes. I don't know what where I was I can't even remember but I remember leaving that race and I was so mad and he's like what's wrong with you I'm like I don't know why I didn't win like I fell and he was like this was your first race I don't know what you thought I was expecting from you but like I just wanted to see what was gonna happen (laughs) so we ran a few races after that and then um that's when I guess he decided he was getting me ready for trials For real.
0: (laughs) So this was how many months before the Trials for Rio did you do your first race? Um it's
1: I want to say March. So Trials for Rio was my fourth and fifth race that I had ever ran in my life.
0: (sighs) Fourth and fifth race ever. So so March to June. Yeah is really so, so that's three months.
1: Yeah. Three months of competing. We started training in like January.
0: <laughs> okay. Well that adds, that adds two more months. So. <laughs> so this is Five months from a rank beginner to going, not only going to the Paralympic trials, but into, to making the Paralympic trials. And you got a bit lucky with your, with your coach though too, right? So, so who is your coach?
1: Um, my coach is Sherman Hart. He is a very, very well-known coach in the Boston area. Um, he's done, he's done amazing things with athletes, but yeah.
0: Yeah. So a legendary coach from Northeastern, right? I mean, it mm-hmm. won the, the, the colonial athletic conference and, and, had really put the school, put the track program at the school on on the world map right yeah but he he retired in 2012 didn't he and then how did he start working with you guys I don't know how him and Jerome got met
1: up together but I remember Jerome used to Jerome isn't originally from Boston he was from down south but he ended up moving up here and he was training um for real I believe yes for real world championships, but yeah, Rio. And um, he was just like looking for coaches out here, I guess. And he reached out to Sherman and they ended up connecting.
0: So, so you end up kind of meeting Jerome. You get, you get a leg, you meet Jerome. You get lucky enough to, to get introduced to a <laughs> great coach. You're in a great situation. The clock is ticking to a certain extent because you're approaching trials for Rio what was that like so you go to trials this is in in north carolina right this is in charlotte Mm -hmm. yeah you go to you go to trials and did you know were you just running the 100 and the 200 or the 100 and the 400 or what were you running i was
1: running the 100 and the 200 but the funny thing is i didn't know that that competition was trials so like i said i had ran a few races prior to trials and they were local races, you know, maybe like a 30, 40 minute drive here or there. And my coach was like, oh, so you have to sign up for that race that Jerome is going to and think, he was like, it's trials. And I'm like, okay. And then I went and I looked on like, you know, how much a hotel would cost, how much the flight would cost and all that stuff. And I'm like, I'm not going to that. I'm like, no, that's fine. Well, I'll just do another. I'm like, I'll do that. I'll do that race another time but like, let's just find some more local races for me to do. And he's like, what are you talking about? foodie? You have to go to that race. And I'm like, why do I have to go to that one? Like, I really didn't understand. And he's like, I'm going to knock your head off. Call Joe Walsh. So Joe Walsh is the president of adaptive sports, New England. And so I, um, I contacted Joe and I'm like, I guess, you know, my coach thinks that I might have like a good chance at winning this race that is down here so like if you could help me go and I, I still have the email till this day it's hilarious and um, <laughs> I was very unsure about what was going on so I reached out to Joe and he ended up saying that he would you know sponsor me to go down there and then I ended up winning the hundred and it was just so funny because I'm like I didn't realize that Like this competition wasn't like every year. I didn't know what it was. (laughs) My coach always kills me about that. He's like, and you thought you were going to just wait. Cause then when Tokyo got postponed, he was like, you thought you were going to make this race in another four years. And now look at another five years. And like, it was just, it was, it's just funny to look back on.
0: (laughs) So when did you realize that you were actually at the trials and that this was the, only step you could take to go to Rio and compete in the Paralympics. When did you realize that?
1: When they named the team. So like the day after everyone was done competing, we had to all go into this room where they would like, you know, name everybody that made the team. And I thought everybody that was in the room was on the team. So they do everybody's names. And I wasn't really listening for anybody's name specifically. So, so I remember once everything was over, I went up to somebody and I asked them, I'm like, yeah, all right. So like, what's going on next? And she was like, I didn't make the team. And I'm like, oh, like, this is a thing. I really did not realize it. So <laughs> it was in that moment where I was like, oh, like I just did something here. I didn't realize what I had just did.
0: <laughs> and and so when did you, so I guess you realized that you were going to Rio that you were going to- At that moment, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: in that, yeah. <laughs> in and, that meeting because everybody was like oh congratulations and I'm like what and they're like yeah so like you're gonna go to Rio and I'm like wait when is that and I'm like I gotta check my schedule I don't know if I can go.
0: <laughs> Meanwhile all these other people have been planning their lives or at least years in advance trying to get to this point and you're like oh so I'm here so I guess maybe I'll go if it, if it fits in my schedule I don't know if I can make it when did you sort of did at, at some point did you kind of get serious about it and say okay now I oh, wanna, yeah <laughs> I make my mark or how, how did that work
1: no i did i definitely did once i was still working a full time overnight job at that time and it wasn't until i think maybe like a few months after we came back from rio and you know i was going to practice tired and like you know it's like after training like that for a certain amount of time, your body just gets tired. And I was just really exhausted, especially with working overnights. I was working like 50 to 60 hours a week. It was just crazy. So um, my coach was like, you know, you have, to, you have to put more time into this. Like, we're not going to get better if you're tired all the time, if you're not recovering, if you're not doing the things that you need to do. So I decided to get serious and, and become a professional full-time um, with training and all that type of stuff so that's when it kind of got more serious going into world championships I believe in
0: 2017. In 2017 okay so yeah, this is why yeah. so, so you went to 2016 kind of like yeah I'm here this seems like a great party like we'll have fun Brazil's good I'll try to well
1: can that. I just say that first blade that I got was for joggers it was a jogger running leg like it wasn't made for sprinting so like the C in it was like so much smaller so when I look back at those races everybody had these big giant blades and here I was with this little baby blade and I'm like okay something needs to be different like that's when I'm like okay this this is crazy I need to get I need to get my life together so that's
0: That so so describe the difference. I think I understand the difference, but you're talking about you have this tiny little C versus the other people who have this gigantic one. Why would the gigantic one be more beneficial in sprinting than the smaller one?
1: Um, because they can't so the smaller C, there's not a big enough spring to mimic my, my sound side. So it doesn't it doesn't give me enough give, I could say like enough push not for the turn. Blade. Okay. Yeah, so um the yeah, so the extreme that I have now cuz that was a flex run that I had back then. So it's just, it just wasn't made for sprinting. You know like we said there's different legs for everything. That's for jogging and the other one is for sprinting and that's just what that is.
0: But you still did well. You were 6th in 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 the, in the 200.
1: World. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In Rio,
0: right? Mm-hmm. And and you also you had the worst lane draw as well, right? You had lane 1 for the yeah. 200 so it's hard to run fast out of lane one mm-hmm. so then you then you come back and you decide okay I'm going to go full-time I'm going to get a, going to get the proper equipment how did you go through that process that transition of becoming full-time getting the proper equipment those kinds of things
1: um it was like it just took a lot of getting used to I would say for the mm-hmm. most part with just being more consistent with everything when it came to my training you know like staying on top of my gym days, staying on top of the foods that i'm eating and just being more conscious about those things and like going from not having to worry about that at all to like trying to go full throttle at once it was it was it was a there was definitely like a learning curve in there (laughs) it was like i was either working out too much or not enough and i had to just find a happy medium
0: So you were able to find that. And now, as you approach Tokyo, how do you feel? How do you feel in terms of your progression, in terms of where you are? I mean, you broke an American record in the 100, which is really your chosen event, right? The 100? Yes, yes. yes. But you will run the 200 as well in Tokyo.
1: I will, yeah. For whatever reason, I've, like, trials just now was probably the best performance I've ever had in 100 and that's what I've been telling everybody I'm like that's my thing and I'm like I have to prove it to somebody because I've been saying this for the last four years and they're like yeah yeah we don't believe you especially because I meddled in Dubai in the 200 right. you know <laughs> and bronze in the 200 I ended in up right yeah. I ended up getting um disqualified in the 100 in 2017 at world championships for a false start yeah so like the 100 just it just hasn't shown up for me yet but it did it did it did last month so that that was good
0: <laughs> well it did last month and but it was interesting too right because you broke April Holmes's record which had stood for 15 years yes. but uh Beatrice uh, was was right behind you I mean the two of you you went went twelve eight four and inchi 12, 12 and eight, six 12, twelve eight six so mm-hmm. two one of a second between the two of yeah. and you got out first and she was she was running you down at the, <laughs> at the very end and but you got across the line first and but then there's this there's this sisterhood of sprinters as well right between because you're a little bit older than she is mm-hmm. but yet april was there as a spotter at trial mm-hmm.
1: yes, what's the relationship
0: exactly. that you've ended up creating with with all of these sprinters all these all these women amputee sprinters um it's a
1: it's a like love off the track stay away from me on the track type of relationship (laughs) you know in those races it's every man for himself so you gotta only be you gotta only be there for yourself but i we're we're all very friendly um april holmes i like I love her. She's just amazing. Beatrice is a sweetheart. So I think off the track, they're very nice ladies, but on the track, I don't know them.
0: (laughs) Maybe you can describe what, what is your attitude when you get on the track? It sounds like you have a bit of an attitude when you're on the track. (laughs)
1: Um, I zone out. I zone out when I get on the track. I do. I look straight at the finish line and I just tell myself, that's where you need to go. Sometimes I really can black out in the race. That's it's like I love it and I hate it but that's how like I just zone out
0: I have to zone out (laughs) that is awesome which is funny because a lot of athletes try to get to that zone but does it come naturally to you it sounds like it does um for the most part
1: now yeah I think it's crazy how much like repetition and those types of things like once you do it like I said with that blacking out if if I'm in that zone where I'm like, all right, just get it done, then I can, I can kind of get it to, to tune in like that.
0: <laughs> okay. Now, now the mental side of the game is so important for sprinters. I mean, you're, yeah. you're getting out of the start is, is, you know, it, your reaction time is so important. Then, I mean, can you, can you talk us through, because we kind of have a little bit on the mental on the mental or in the attitude that you bring to it. How about, can you talk us through your race? Can you talk us through the objectives of the hundred is your race? So so what are you trying to do in the (sighs) hundred?
1: Trying to be reactive to the gun, Mm -hmm. powerful, coming out the blocks and just holding it all the way through. That is like the four main things. And I always think about, you know, form. Form is always super important, but um, when I'm running, I think being powerful like for me being powerful out of the blocks is like my main focus because i know if i come out strong enough then like my tone turnover and everything else will kind of carry through the rest of the race so i kind of just try to nail that part down and then all the way through is all i hear when i, I think about my culture anything and it's like all the way through all the way through just keep swinging your arms and just run fast so <laughs>
0: So it really is that trigger. The start is the trigger and you kind of take over almost on muscle memory Mm -hmm. afterwards. But the start is the part that you have to really think about. Yeah, definitely. Do you you start well? Do you consider yourself a good starter?
1: Yes. (laughs) Yes, I do. I it's like I'm thinking because I'm like, oh, I've come a long way because my starts used to be really, really, really bad. But now I'm like, when I get it, it's great.
0: (laughs) How often do you get it?
1: Well, I just got it. So (laughs)
0: is it trials you you, you got it when you were in trials but is it it it, one out of ten is it is it is it more than that or or one Um, out of ten or not or
1: honestly these last few races like this season has been it's been really good it's been really really good so I'm just trying to stay on this track Um, I've had I think the best starts that I've ever had like this year
0: you had a chance to hang out with the best ever right <laughs> so so you were you were on usain bolt's all-star team i was how did that work what does that mean what is what is usain bolts all-star team
1: <laughs> so they were having a night it was called nitro series in Australia and um yeah they were putting together a team of traditional athletes and paralympic athletes and they made they had like country teams and then a mixed team so I was part of the mixed team which which was um Usain Bolt's team and so yeah we got to go down to Australia we had a really good time he's really really he's really nice and watching him run in real life is it's an experience definitely
0: (laughs) I would imagine because you've been on the track and you've seen fast people on the track Mm -hmm. but not like that Is it just sort of incomprehensible where you look at him and you go, it looks like you're running. Looks different than anything I've ever seen.
1: It's just so fast. <laughs> I just can't even understand how somebody can move their legs that fast, but his stride is really long too. So it's a great combination of things.
0: <laughs> Did you learn anything from that experience from being around him? Oh, that's a great question
1: um (laughs) i want to say yes but i'd probably be lying because i was just more like i want to say (laughs) starstruck but that's
0: it that's it it. you were star, which is completely understandable i think (laughs) i mean he was like the he was like the muhammad ali of this generation kind of thing like bigger bigger than life and, and, but always seemed like he was having fun and he was joking. And, and that's
1: the best part, you know, like that is what I always want from track or anything that I'm doing in life. Like I want to be able to know that I'm, I genuinely enjoy it, you know, and that's why I love running so much. Cause I enjoy it. Like I go out and I, I work out and I train because I, I genuinely enjoy it.
0: So you generally, genuinely enjoy running? Do you enjoy the workout? What, what part of it do you generate? I mean, are you like this, this hurts so much. This is awesome. Is this what you're thinking?
1: <laughs> because I'm training for something and my clients say this to me and I'm like, you know, everybody just has to find, you have to find your own why and why you do things. And I like working out and pushing myself to those limits. Even when I'm at practice dying, I think to myself, I'm like, the end result of this is going to be so cool. Like I know how much hard work I've been putting, like how much I die at practice, how much I die at the gym. And even just that last race in Minneapolis, knowing that I've been working so hard and I'm like, I've actually done the things that I need to do and seeing it transpire like that on the track it's like girl you just ran 1284 you're doing something you know so like it makes it like i look for that end result so like i know when i push myself to those limits it's gonna bring out something better like diamonds are made in the rough type of thing you know
0: okay and, and so <laughs> you can you can think that in the moment so oh, in yeah. the moment when you're dying you're like i am dying this means yes. i'm not doing it it's yeah. really happening the diamonds getting compressed And, and it's going, it's going to look beautiful. So you really think that, and and you think that when you're, and it's like, okay, so then the next set comes up, you're like, I'm going even harder now because the more I hurt, (laughs) the better it's going to be really.
1: Exactly. I, that's the only, I don't even know how people get through workouts if they don't tell themselves that. Why else are you doing it? If like, even if it's like, you're doing curls and your arms are dead, you're like, well, they're going to look so good in the mirror later. Like you got to think about these things. (laughs) You got to think about these
0: things. (laughs) And is this what you're telling your clients when you're training them too?
1: (laughs) I always just tell them, think about your end results. I have so many clients that have trips coming up, you know, and it's like, that's okay. You're dying right now. But when you put that bikini on in a couple months or when you do whatever it is, you know, you have to, you have to find your why. And I hope it's not all physical all the time because that's too much, but other things come from working out and being strong
0: but you work through it sounds like you work through the sort of the mental side of them the imagery side of like
1: mm-hmm.
0: what's your dream if you're going on this trip if you're going to Barbados or wherever yeah. you know it's like mm-hmm. and, and what's the what's the bikini that you're gonna wear and what's it yeah. gonna look like and all of this it's stuff definitely. is this what you're doing yeah. with them yes yeah. <laughs> And it sounds like it works.
1: It does. It does. Everybody has a goal. Everybody has a, you know, has something they're trying to work towards, even if it's just to be more active, you know, it's like, okay, this is going to help your endurance. This is going to help you not be winded when you get up the stairs. Like these are the types of things, you know, so I always try to remind them of their goals.
0: I read somewhere that you said that, that you are going to win the medal that you deserve, or the the medal that you deserve will be around your neck. Mm -hmm. What what does that mean? Is that a specific color medal?
1: We all know what I deserve, but no, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) I always tell myself, like, I used to be so, like, I get so stressed over a competition if I didn't place the way that I wanted, or if I didn't run the way that I wanted. And I just have to remind myself, whatever you have in that moment is all you have. You're not gonna be able to come back to this moment. You can't try to foresee this moment. It's just what you have right now, you know? And so I had to just tell myself that like, if I stumble out the blocks, I'm like, well, that's what you had today. So it's <laughs> not really what you can do about it. So if I can get on that track and I execute and I do the things that I'm supposed to do, then the medal I deserve will be around my neck. <laughs>
0: interesting okay which <laughs> but but that also speaks to all the work that you've done beforehand i mean it's performing on that day
1: mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it's
0: also all the work that you did before you got to that day yes yeah. yes yes you're you're honoring and that in that statement as well aren't you of course of
1: course cuz like i said i've been training so hard and i know i have and i know the work that i've been doing that's why i believe I just, I just trust my training. I trust that my coach knows what he's doing. I trust that I know what I'm doing. And I trust that those things will come together in the right way on that day.
0: (laughs) That is, I mean, it's, it's a great mindset to have, right? Because as you approach the games, it's really easy to be nervous. I mean, you're talking about, you had trials in June, And then the Paralympics will start on the, what, the 24th of August, I think is the opening ceremonies, right? And and so, so you really still have a fair amount of time. Yes. You still have six weeks or so before, before you get to the races. Is, is this something you had to come to the, this realization of I, the medal that I deserve will be around my neck. Did you have to Did you have to work to get to that mindset or, or, or is it something that's kind of come naturally to you and is making it easier in some ways to approach going to Tokyo?
1: Um, It definitely, I had to work my way up to this thought process. Um, I think that's what my coach has taught me. Just, you know, get into the race and execute. Don't worry about what anybody else is doing. Just focus on you and the things that you can control. So just being able to stay knowing like, like I said, I used to be crazy. If I didn't finish the way I wanted, if I didn't do the things that I wanted to do, I would over obsess about it. And it's like, you gotta just move on, you know? Um, Like that hundred I ran in Minneapolis, it was great. And then I didn't run a great 200 and that was upsetting. But I'm like, listen, all you can do is move on and figure out how to be better next time. Like you can't sit here and obsess over it because you did what you could in that moment. I don't know what that was, but I did what I could. And so, you know, you just have to move on. So I definitely had to build up to that mindset because um, it wasn't always like that. I did not always think like that. I did not always feel like that, but it for my own sanity and just the ability to kind of just overcome those things, I have to tell myself like, in that moment, you have to just trust your training and everything that you've done up until that moment and kind of just execute from there.
0: Which the thing is when you're loose, when you're having fun, you're generally going to perform better,
1: mm-hmm. exactly.
0: which makes sense <laughs> intellectually. But but sometimes when you get onto the line, then you feel like, I mean, I know this, is, this has been the battle for me as well as this idea of like getting onto the line and thinking, okay, okay, this is really important. Like I need to do, I need to be better than I've been before, or, you know, this needs to be my best possible race. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you do like before you get onto the starting line to kind of get yourself into the zone? I mean, you've talked a lot about being in the zone and focusing just on the finish line and just on your lane and -hmm. not paying attention to anybody else. Do you have to do anything to get into the zone
1: I usually pray (laughs) so like right before I'll get down into the blocks and I'll just kind of lean forward and lay on my lane and I I just just pray really quick and then it helps me kind it kind of like it humbles me and it just makes me feel like all right this I always I'm like track is life life is track and but (laughs) when I sit there and I pray it kind of humbles me and it's like this is Just a race. You've already prepared for this. Just do what you got to (laughs) do.
0: Which is great. And it sounds like your faith helped you through the accident. It helped you through a lot of the difficult parts of your, of your life. Right. So, Mm -hmm. so, so it continues to be a, a strong part of your, of who you are.
1: Oh yes, absolutely.
0: What do you expect in, in Tokyo? So in Tokyo, so it sounds like it sounds like to a certain extent you went to Rio and you're like, hey, wow, I'm here. This is great. (laughs) But you had no idea really, in some ways, you didn't really know the significance of what you were doing, which probably allowed you to perform really well, because you didn't know the significance. Is that going to be different at all when you go to Tokyo? Or will you sort of be able to have that... uh, I don't want to call it naive but but in some ways it's naive right (laughs) wide-eyed just just like oh this looks like fun we're gonna where i'm gonna get to race against the best people in the world and and it'll be fun you know and it's like (laughs) there's some there's a there's a complete genius in that uh do will you is that sort of what you expect in tokyo is that a part of who you are and who you continue to be
1: um definitely trying to be more relaxed um I wish I could have that same mind as that girl back in 2016, (laughs) but I don't, I don't, I know why we're there. I know what's going on, Um, (laughs) but just staying in that idea of being relaxed and just enjoying it. And like, when I was in Rio, I feel like I missed a lot of like things because I was just more overwhelmed by the whole experience in itself. But now,
0: like, what kind of things do you, did you miss? Do you think?
1: Like when we went to opening ceremonies, I don't even remember walking in. A lot of things I feel like I wish I could have just been more present for and like I was kind of just going through the experience and opposed to like really understanding why I was there you know um like I didn't realize there were gonna be cameras there and I could wave to people on tv like you know like I missed a lot of those things so I want to be able to just kind of be more present and like you know doing whatever it is that I should be doing while I'm there I just want to be more present and less naive
0: <laughs> less but 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 in some ways, the naive part sounds I like know it's, it's I a know. really good part of just like, hey, I'm here. This is fun. I don't need to worry about things. And that that to me sounds super cool. I mean, it just sounds <laughs> like it will it, be it'll be interesting to see. Will Tokyo be your last games, or are you thinking beyond Tokyo, or are you just thinking about Tokyo now?
1: Um Definitely, kind of just thinking about Tokyo, but I've thought about it, and I think whatever my body says, <laughs> whatever my body says, I'm
0: gonna listen, listen to, to your body because you, <laughs> because you are racing against some some younger people, right? And, yeah. and you've been a mentor for like Noel Lambert, who's been mm-hmm. on the show, uh, to, to Beatrice, who's been on the show, and they're mm-hmm. they're both you know in their younger twenties. I think Beatrice is just twenty, right? So yeah I think she is yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah
0: (laughs) and so well this this to me is going to be fun it's going to be fun to see how you're going to perform is are are you just kind of saying 100 and 200 I'm open to whatever works or or is 100 more of of that's your race this is the one you want to do um
1: well I'll definitely be running both but I think I have to I have to stay in the same mindset like I got to, I got to kill and execute both of those races.
0: (laughs) It really is. Well, this is for me to thank you so much for joining us. I mean, this is going to, we are, we are looking forward to seeing you in Tokyo and seeing you perform and seeing, seeing that focus on the track. But I hope in some ways that as I'm watching it, I'm able to see kind of that that wide-eyed, naive woman <laughs> who's like, hey, this is cool. We're all having
1: <laughs> That would be nice. I'll be looking for her too.
0: <laughs> I, think, I think you need to find her. I think you need to find her and invite her to Tokyo with you. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate you joining us. Thank Look you. forward to you uh, running really fast and train hard in between and get your rest and be ready to go.
1: Thank you very much for
0: having me. This has been a pleasure. Thank you all for joining us. If you didn't get a chance to watch the whole thing, you can find it archived on the One Revolution uh, page on on Facebook. It will also will turn it into a podcast. So you'll be able to see it on YouTube and Spotify, Apple, all the places where you find podcasts. The greatest gift that you can give us, the highest compliment is to tell your friends Tell your friends to tune in. That we've got awesome people like Famita who is teaching us in this hour, like how we can how we can do what we do better. And so, t- so please like us, follow us. But tell your friends. Thank you so much. Thank you, Famita. Have a great time. I look forward to seeing you on TV.